like the checklist. No, no, I don't have any. Oh. No, the checklist is done. I think everything's ready. We're okay. recording. Mm-hmm. Um, no, there's a couple things I had written down, and I every day that we've met the last couple of weeks, I've forgotten to tell you this. And, uh, you know, I know we've talked about these kind of things before, but this one is absolutely bananas. So I went to pick up some takeout food, as I often do. And, you know, I, hi, everyone. Howard, Fred, Dan. Hello. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, you know I, I like to support the service industry. I, uh, I don't like to be cheap. But I don't understand why I'm paying a tip when I go pick up food. And what I really appreciate as a consumer is when they've reconfigured the Moneris or whatever that is so that it doesn't show a tip. Like, you know, sometimes you'll go pick up food and it just says the total. You tap and you finish. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And then I've talked about this with you guys. There's a couple times where it's, you know, it's, it, they put it out there and they want you to give them a tip for you to go to their establishment to pick up food. Yeah. So I saw something recently. I said, oh, I got to tell Fred because this will drive him nuts. I go pick up food. This is only a couple of weeks ago. And they hand me the machine. And the first, you know, how it's in squares, you know, 10%, 20%, whatever. The first square was 18%. The first option to tip right. on yeah. pickup was 18%. Mm-hmm. And so I, of course, did it because I was in a hurry and I was like, all right, I'll just do it. So whatever it was, it was like some pizza or whatever. But I thought on the way back to the uh, compound here, that's added basically 20% to the price of what I just purchased. Yeah. It seems a bit much. And again, I'm all for helping people out. I'm all for if you've given me great service, I want to give you a great tip that mm-hmm. reflects that service. So how is that? person handing you the pizza any different than the person checking your groceries out at the store you know what i mean in fact they probably work harder uh, way harder because they scan yeah and that's a great point because the person checking yourself checking you out at the grocery or in dan's case at costco where he goes every goddamn day i, I don't think <laughs> people really store. i know he goes every day and by the way i, I still have your limes <laughs> but but no, that's a great lime. point. No, that's a great point that the person who's checking you out is actually working at yeah. their job of checking you out of your grocery order. But and the person at the restaurant, and that might be a waiter or a, wa- a service person, but in that particular moment, all they're doing is handing you a bag. Yeah, or that guy at you know Home Depot who takes a little extra time to explain something or show you something. He doesn't get a tip. I know. And let's not forget, with the recent inflationary problems we've had, the restaurants have not hesitated in raising the prices on their menu. And when they do that, it means it raises the prices on that 18%. Yeah. So when I do pick up, I just click through. If you just keep hitting, I think, the green button, it bypasses the tip. I don't do it. I was at Osmus. Osmus. And um, <laughs> what's Osmos? I mean, Osmos is a uh, Greek kind of Medi- Medi- Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, Mediterranean oh, okay. right, yeah. hummus, everything. Yeah. Every, you know what, Dan? This, it, they Good. should call it everything hummus. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it should just be called like all hummus. things with hummus. <laughs> what would you like? Hummus Howard. <laughs> hey, it's hummus Howard. Howard. Hummus. Hummus um, Howard. <laughs> so, yeah, and I didn't. I'm sorry. 
I know. I'm, I'm going to stop doing it. It's ridiculous. The little guy with the Thai restaurant here, I really want to support. You know, he's closed his dine-in. And I know he cooks, and he comes out to the front, and he serves and everything. But I'm helping him by just buying his food, which is marked up at a large. But, but see, I wouldn't actually, and I don't know, whatever the order was, let's say it was $25, and I give a 20% tip. I would just rather it be 20 $250. i would rather it was $28, and don't make me feel like I've got to tip you by coming. That's the weird thing. I, again, if I was in that restaurant, I, wasn't, I wouldn't hesitate. And I know the new normal now has moved up. It used to be 10, then it was 15. But I'll tell you, a lot of those options now start at 18%. It's not the only restaurant I've seen that does that. If I were in the restaurant, I have no problem. Dan, how do you feel about this contentious issue that I've been saving up for two weeks? He waits for someone else to pick up the bill. (laughs) (laughs) Dan's like, tip short. Dan's like, I'll give you 20% tip. <laughs> that's history. <laughs> anyway, Dan. Dan's got more than eighteen percent tip. Yeah. What would the here's overall my, percentage? My tip. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what you leave. I got a free meal. <laughs> no. I just love the idea, Dan. What would the percentage of tip be to your? Anyway, what did you think about the uh, the tip? I, uh, you know what? I had great service last night at a fantastic restaurant. I can't remember the name of, but it was really a, a, a cool Mexican spot in uh, in uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, the options were there, and I went uh, went the twenty because of the service was so so great. Yeah, but, that's fine. You know, uh, normally I'm a, I'm a, I go to the fifteen percent mark if I'm uh, you know default. But you know, I think. I think it's uh, over COVID. We've had some sort of empathy for service workers and feel that, you know, we want to help them out because, you know, have their wages really increased? You know, if, the, if they're if you're. Tipping well, I, I agree with you. It's, it's I think we've all felt a thing. Right? I think we've all wanted to do more. Freddie. Yeah, I, it's a tough one. It really is. But again, why? Why the restaurant industry? How did it evolve that? We pay their wages. And then again, other service industries, as I said, you know, the checkout cashier at the grocery store, the guy that helps you at Home Depot, on and on and on, don't get it. Um, Don't get that benefit. But it's just the way it is. You know, I often just hit the dollar thing because I'm not giving more than 15 percent. I'm sorry. I'm not. You guys should write a book and study it. And, 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 and who and what is here's another thing Dan said, because the service was so great. Well, these people are in a restaurant serving you food. What is great service? Wouldn't you just expect what is great service compared to good service or bad service? You know yeah, I, mean? I, I get that. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. it, what 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 is remark? I mean, but the, the thing is here in the city, I get it. It's, you know. <laughs> Because like a lot of the machines, the Apple Pay or the Monero's, whatever, they, they right. just have an option cube. There's four, there's four squares, and yes. I think sometimes, and I'm just saying, speaking for myself, I'm a little self conscious about like, okay, let me, can I? I don't see the the fifteen percent square, so you just you go yes to eighteen and you move on. But but back to your point about what is great service versus good service the idea is you're going there to be served i i, I can't help myself you somebody's got to be the liaison between the people cooking the food and those of us eating the food that i understand that's the service that's the service person but expecting to add 20 points so it's 120 on a hundred dollar bill you know that's a lot that's a lot more money and and i think eventually 
it will lead, I think, to people going, you know, I don't know if I want to go because right. everything I spend now is going to be another 20 points. And that you got to watch it. Is that 20 points on the total after HST? That's yeah. another thing. No, most people don't make that distinction. Most people don't tip on the... No. Uh, well, they tip I on... I, I know you do. I look at the tax, and that's 13%, and then you figure out a couple more percent sure. on, the, on the bill before the HST. And... Uh, I don't know. Maybe you I, guys should be tip advocates. Well, listen, I, and I don't want to come off. And, and honestly, like I having worked around clubs and been in restaurants, it really I, I understand that there's a you know that's the whole, the whole point is you you exist on tips. It's just that at some point you're adding a pretty high premium to what you're purchasing. And and I would say back to my original point, which is if I'm picking up the food then I don't know, who am I tipping? The people making the food? I thought when I ordered it, it was $25. If you told me it was $28, that's different. Here's another dimension to this. So say a waitress, a waiter. Can you say waitress anymore? No, you can't. That's too racist. They're just all waiters. No, servers. Servers. That's racist. (laughs) That's servers. So say over the year you make $40,000 in tips. Mm -hmm. Say. You work at a good restaurant. I don't even know what a good tip at a good restaurant would be, a good tip total at the end of the year. How much of that do you actually claim? Say maybe a, a quarter of it. Uh, I don't know. Well, just, oh, I think the, the, the Revenue Canada has gone into... Uh, there's a formula you have to declare some of it. If you're, yeah. if you're a, a worker in, in that industry, though, they would expect that you do claim tips. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what if... You work in a place where there's bad tippers. So, again, I don't know how they would do that. All I'm saying is, at the end of the day, I'm sure those people that get those tips are not claiming everything. I think that's safe to say. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're getting an advantage over you and I there as well. They're not paying their fair share, is what I'm saying. Well, if if you're ta- if you're if you're dropping cash, then yeah, mm-hmm. probably. But it, but the tips that are collected on the machine then are distributed to the staff, and right. So that's yeah. tracked. <clears throat> um, Dan and I want to just because yeah. someone had sent me a note, sent us a note. Um, anyway, thanks very much for <laughs> joining me for this tip symposium. Uh, it's been great to <laughs> to uh, roll the have a roll this uh, subject around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate oh, all. Yeah. <laughs> um, appreciate your participation yeah. uh, during this uh, summit. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, the tip awareness. Tip awareness. Oh, we need more tip awareness. And, we shouldn't uh, just Dan? rush in and make the payment. We should think about it. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, There is Dan? the zero out option. You cannot pay if you're picking up. <laughs> That's give you permission, right? Is that what we resolve? I don't know. I'm just trying to think about you yeah. and 20% of your wiener being a tip. Anyway, Dan, speaking of uh, <laughs> Daniel. Daniel, is it Dan? Yeah. Yes. Dan um, and Daniel. And it used to be Danny when I was a... Uh, Danny. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Danny. Yeah. Have you yet performed at the Peterborough Theater Guilds, your two-man show? No, I have not yet. Because we have we're not gonna, talked about it. Fred, are you, uh, have you been witnessing uh, Dan's rehearsing? Has he been pacing back and forth? No. Dan, where are we at? When's the performances? Uh, it's coming up in uh, the 17th. Oh. Uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, the 15th and 16th. That weekend in... Uh, uh, the Peterborough Cedar Guild. Right. I'll get it in a second here. Nice. 
Yeah. Well, we're very looking forward to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's coming up, and we're uh, re- rehearsing again on Friday. It's a it's a play reading, so mm-hmm. you don't have to memorize anything. But we're walking around on stage. There's no it's staged, so it's it's not like there's sets and things. But we're there doing it. It's the sixteenth and seventeenth and eighteenth. Well, I know you get to read and everything, and it's informal. But have you bought yourself a nice new blouse <laughs> <laughs> top? Do you, new, do you have a new top? You bought a top. <laughs> do you have a Dan? Have you gone to Zellers and gotten yourself a nice new blouse or top? What about slacks? Were you been wearing with something with puffy sleeves? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Were you been wearing trousers or slacks? Were you been wearing yeah. those uh, old timey things and just yeah. culottes with buckle selection is a tough one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have That's shoes funny. with buckles on them? And <laughs> <laughs> that night, right, as people file in and sit That's down. Right. And, There'll probably be lots of Humble and Fred listeners oh, there yeah, because right. we're promoting it such. Yeah. Yes. Dan will walk on the stage and you'll hear the buzz in the crowd. That's the guy with the big dick. That's the guy with oh, the big right. dick. Oh, that's right. Right. Mm-hmm. Big dickus. <laughs> <laughs> honey, oh, my honey. God. Yeah, that's the guy. That's the guy with the big dick. When are we going to grow it up? It is, it is a Shakespeare. It's not a Shakespeare. Big play. Dickus is now entering. Enter stage it's left. Called, um, it's, it's called Constellations. It's right. nothing to do with Shakespeare. Right. Constellations. Yeah. Constellations. Constellations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. And uh, once sure again, is, yeah. uh, tickets are available through all the usual outs. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Peter Ross Theater Guild. You can just go to their website. PeterRossTheaterGuild.com. I, I think th- I'm going to be around for that. I might cha- take it in if it's not sold out. Uh, yeah, oh. well, I would be all over that if I could get up there somehow. But yeah. uh, transportation is an issue. Yeah. So if you're around, you <laughs> Fred's like, what? I'm just, I'm just throwing a random ex- transportation might be tr- uh, tough for me. Hitchhike. Just- if you really like Dan, you would hitchhike. <laughs> show. By the way, show how good of a friend you are. That's what this is turning. By the way, yeah. speaking of that, uh, and I'm just, we'll come back to uh, Peterborough. I'll definitely get up there um, if I can. Uh, but uh, <laughs> if my car's okay, if my car's. I said transportation yeah. is an issue. Yeah. Um. Funny, not funny, but interesting, I found, uh, in the alerts that were sent out in the aftermath of this horrific thing that's going on in Saskatchewan that's taken place. The RCMP put out a notice that said, and I'm paraphrasing now, but it said, and, and this was for they when they thought the suspects had uh, headed down to Regina. And there was a, a thought, I saw an information piece that they put out. It said, avoid... This is how it was worded. Avoid suspicious people and hitchhiking. And I'm like, well, that's pretty good advice for every day. (laughs) You know, it just seemed like uh, police are uh, recommending you avoid suspicious people and hitchhiking. And I was like, done. I'm good. Yeah. You got me. I will abide by these rules and regulations. (laughs) Jesus. Avoid suspicious people and hitchhiking. I do every day. Every goddamn day. Notice when I was a kid, like in the 70s, everybody hitchhiked. Everyone hitchhiked. You saw hitchhikers everywhere. All the time. Like on the way up, driving up north, you would see guys on the side of the highway with their little sign that said Peterborough or, you know, or Apsley. Or or wherever they were going, right? Yes, wherever they were going. (laughs) Like the sign itself would say, it would say like if I was going to somewhere, if I was going to Moose Jaw, I wouldn't put up Peterborough on my sign. No, no. No. But I was an adventurous kid. I used to hold a sign that said, surprise me. (laughs) 
Um, I'll go no, anywhere for food. You just don't see it yeah. anymore. No, no. I listen. Then you would think it would be safer now because you could have your little phone, and if the guy exposed himself or something, you could video it, right? Yeah, that's what the first thing you do. Oh, you're going to show me your wiener. Here, let me get my phone. I used to hitchhike. I don't care if this is mock me all you want. But I would hitchhike from. If I missed the bus and I wanted to go downtown in Moose Jaw, which is only about a 20-minute walk, I would just put my thumb out and somebody would pick you up. Usually someone that knew your dad or your mom. Mm-hmm. But we did it all the time. Yeah. Wow. My parents were very strict on the hitchhiking. Never what about suspicious it. people? Did they allow you to uh, uh, assort, <laughs> associate with suspicious people? There's a lot of suspicious people at church. You know, so. <laughs> I mentioned, Delise was telling the story again last week when back in the 70s, her and her cousin late for school one morning, Kennedy Road in Scarborough. They decide to hitchhike. Two young girls. But you, a lot of people did it. They mm-hmm. got in the car within three minutes. The guy had his pecker out. What? Oh, yeah. 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 Well, he just went, hi, ladies. Where are you going? Here's my wiener. Yeah. And it wasn't even that far up Kennedy Road. And uh, in no time, he had it out and was playing with himself. So as soon as the car stopped, they just jumped mm. out. That's a lot to manage. Yeah, man, that was pretty common back in those days. Guys did that, you know? Yeah, well, guys are still doing it, from what I have been told. I mean, there's this comedian, that's a female comedian, who did this bit where she went around the audience, and it was pretty interesting about how many women, this was like a recent stand-up piece I'd watched, and she talked about how many women in the audience had had men expose themselves and like three quarters of the women have had had have had experiences like that and then she asks the men this woman last week (laughs) (laughs) you can relate (laughs) you are accosted by some trailer perv um and of course the men you know it's i've never had a woman say hey how you doing you want to see him in the thing that's the no. difference between. I mean, imagine if you were a guy hitchhiking and you got into a car and a woman a few minutes later started to play with herself. You wouldn't want to get out of the car. You'd be like, hey, what's going no. on? I've decided I want to go a little farther. That's right. Mm-hmm. Did I say Peterborough? I'd like to go to Apsley or whatever. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, well, it's a wacky world, my friend. A lot of that stuff now is, you know, the dimension of the phone and the. Everybody having a camera and a video, uh, um, you know, availability. It's you think it would curtail that stuff. Yeah. Dan, will there be any uh, restrictions on uh, like filming during your performance and such? Because, I mean, I can only imagine with your profile, there's going to be all kind of bootleg copies of that floating around. Mm, yeah. Well, no, there is. There's generally whenever you go into a theater, there's right. that. Uh, there's that caveat, you know, at the beginning, someone will say, you know, put your phones away and turn your phone off and no pictures and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Do you, I, I believe if I'm not, I hope I'm there. I'm not sure if I can, but well, I believe when car, you, yeah, with car, yeah, not just my car, car, car maintenance but I, problems. Yeah. I don't know. It's not even that. It's just, I don't know about transportation to Peter, <laughs> uh, but I, I have this sense, Freddie, maybe if you, cause I'm sure you'll be there cause it's so much more convenient. But when Dan walks on stage, you know, sometimes when noted actors or actresses are in a mm-hmm. performance like that, they immediately yeah. will get, people will start to applaud. It'll just be one of those things where the ovation will be a bit overwhelming. Yeah, I'll probably tear up or something. I'm tearing up thinking about it. Yeah. Wow. The whole concept sort of 
I find interesting. What applause? No, people like is this like paying money to come and watch you read a book on stage? Like it's not you know like a book reading. (laughs) Like who whose idea was that? <laughs> wow! I can't be able to pay money to watch. Come play and watch you read a book. Why don't you just well, do it online? Think about it. It's you usually pay money when they've read the book. They memorize memorize the lines. Yeah, there's and, some effort. Yeah, yeah. But this is for it charity. It's a fundraiser. It's a fundraiser, yeah. and it's only ten bucks. It's not like uh, thirty, which is the normal kind of you know full show thing. Dan, if I give you uh, eight bucks, can we go on Zoom and you just read it to me? You and Lisa just do a sort of a private performance. Yeah, sure. I'm sure Lisa walk- would love to. Yeah. Oh, Lisa. If you walked up to me and said, "Fred, will you give me ten bucks <laughs> if I read you this book?" I'd say, "Fuck you." Fuck you, Dan. Fuck you, Dan. Uh, All no. of a sudden, because it's in a theater, I oh, got that's right. You know. Spread my cheeks. And Dan, um, is it $10 or is it $10 plus 18% tip? <laughs> well, that's your choice down at well, the, hey, uh, there's the bar. A, there's a good go point, the though. You know, if you go to a theatrical experience, you see Dan Duran and his girl, you pay $10. Is there not a place where you can add 18% on the effort that Dan and Lisa are giving up there? <laughs> Huh? You think there would be, but there's not. There's are there no any, uh, tip tipping option on uh, tickets these days? Are there Never any love scenes? Uh, a little bit, yeah. What? Tongue? Well, any tongue? About a relationship? Like yeah. Frenching? Are you Frenching during this performance? No Frenching. We're not Frenching. No. Kissing with tongues is what I'm talking about, Dan. I understand what you're talking about. <laughs> is there any physical contact? <laughs> yes. What kind? Really? Over what the uh, over the sweater. There's a couple of kisses here and there. What kind of what? kisses? Well, like a kiss kiss, like a relationship kiss. Do you actually kiss or because you're reading out of a book, say, this is where the man kisses? (laughs) (laughs) This is where normally the man would kiss, but I'm reading. Well, the director did ask if I could memorize the lines around that spot so I wouldn't be looking over his shoulder while kissing for the next line on the, uh, on the, Mm. the, the page. And how long will this go on? About an hour, an hour and a bit. You're Maybe gonna... we should go to the Spanish restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe what? We should go to the Spanish restaurant after that. It's good. I was going to say, yeah. maybe if you go to the Spanish restaurant before Dan will be up there reading his love scenes and starting to get a little gassy. <laughs> the man silently farted his yeah. taco stink. <laughs> How long does it take for you eating something that, that causes gas? Uh, it can be very quickly. Gas. Those of us that suffer from, uh, I have a condition. Yeah, you have a condition. I have a so farting what do you think? condition. What is it, 10, an hour? I, with me, it could be right away. I can't stop farting. You think it's a joke? It's not a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke, Dan. Really? Speaking of uh, conditions and what have you, and I'm meeting my new doctor today. I oh, Dan, I didn't know whether you guys want to discuss that, discuss it now, discuss it later. Really? Just what it's like meeting a new doctor. You're interviewing the doctor then. Basically. Uh, basically, my old doctor retired, and uh, he handed the business off or sold it. Mm. I don't know what doctors do to a new guy I've never met. So today, I'm going in at uh, 10, 30, 11 o'clock this morning to meet the new fella. You know, it's interesting, too, because uh, you being Freddie P, and one of your signature phrases, what if he does say, hey, Fred, I got a bad case of loving you. Loving you. He hits the post. God damn it. Uh, yeah, that's interesting because uh, did your friend, our friend, uh, uh, Mr. Yee, Sir Yee, did he end up actually getting uh, that new doctor that we recommended to him? 
He went and saw him last week. Yeah, but is he? Because I don't. I didn't. I didn't hear. I knew. I know he went to the office, but I didn't hear if he was going to actually uh, end up as his patient. Uh, I don't know. All right. See, I. I might do. I might may have done that. Well, it all depends on this guy today. He's got to right. listen to me. Yep. You know. Yeah. That's number one. <laughs> If my old doctor didn't even listen anymore, no, no. he was so pissed off at the government, and he was so absent-minded and didn't give a shit. Do you think there's going to be a physical examination today? Like, hi. I don't know. Well, that's, that's what I mean. You're going to meet somebody for the first time. You're going to be like, hi, I'm Fred. Uh, this is the things I've had done. And uh, here, have a look at my dink. Yeah. Are you going to try, try, try some, some scenarios out, medical scenarios out to see what he would say to see if you agree? <laughs> That's right. His, test oh, test his medical. Do you use leeches in your practice? <laughs> yes or no? Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, well, I've got a few things I'm going to say to him, but um, about previous issues and problems mm-hmm, and see what mm-hmm. his take is on it, just to see, again, if he's listening to what I say, which is very important. My old doctor, too, if your appointment was at 1030, you were lucky to get in by 1145. Like, he was unbelievable. His, your time meant nothing to him. Mm-hmm. And then if you complained a bit, it was all the government's fault. Do you yeah, know you get yeah. $17 for this visit? Anyway, mm. so that's going to be another benchmark today. But 17 plus tip, obviously. See, yeah. doctors don't expect a tip. No, exactly. And they do things. But, you know, it was his problem, not mine. Or, because I worked in the media, I'd be in there for half an hour and 25 minutes were, what can I do for him to promote their problems, being their being the doctors? Mm-hmm. And then it was, you know, five, uh, five minutes on my, you know, festering boil. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine he wouldn't want to spend more time on that. Mm. I want to get back to this, though. You see, you say loving you, right? And you walk into a new doctor's office. Yeah, you say loving you. And then you walk into a doctor's office and you say, I think I've got it. And he says, Freddie, Freddie, I've got the news. You've got it. I thought that was... I want to go back and explore that some <laughs> more. In that case. And okay, let's, uh, should we start the show? Because this, all of this has just been leading up to another episode. Yes. We have a big time oh. program. I'm sorry, Dan. I talk over right. your intro. Here's Dan. You know, I, I, I just took a wrong cue. There. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. You're okay. beautiful. Right. And you're so go kind. Yeah. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Toronto and Brampton and is brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and Health Gauge. Also, contest alert, today you could enter to win a set of tires from Continental Tire Canada. And now, here are two men who took the Labor Day to switch out their summer wardrobe. Yes, summer t-shirts for their fall t-shirts. That's right. It's Humble and Fred. And uh, if anyone's got a uh, puffy-sleeved sort of Seinfeldian uh, blouse uh, that you could loan Dan, we'd appreciate it. Barry Shipley. Going to try again with Barry today. He's, uh, he actually just checked in, so I, I know he's uh, standing by for uh, about 15 minutes or so from now. He's Canada's national triathlon team coach and a uh, pretty interesting guy. He was recommended by our buddy Dave Trafford. He's written a book called Chasing Greatness about his 30 years of adventures as a coach and as a broadcaster. Uh, he doesn't just coach world and Olympic champs. He and his team uh, had also worked with Dave Trafford, got him to uh, run his first marathon. 
And it says here he's also coached Jesse and Gene, so we're in good company. Uh, that's happening today. Also, we're going to talk about a new service. A uh, young entrepreneur will join us later in the show, Dan, who has uh, set up a cannabis subscription and delivery platform and it's gonna it's a you know what they say dan it's gonna change the game okay so you, you can know, just chain smoke and then you just order it up and it shows up at your door i, I don't you know what we all have to stay tuned okay okay, okay. mister on on uh, i was watching the news last night and uh, they were saying by the end of 2023 about 30 percent of cannabis stores will be gone yeah i can see that there's too many there's yeah. too many it's not working well, you've been, you know, you know my neighborhood, our neighborhood here, yeah. you know, on either side of this building are cannabis stores. And, yeah. you know, the odd time, I, the odd time I go in, <laughs> uh, I always ask the young humans working there, I always say, how is business? Because yeah. I don't know how they can sustain their business model, considering when I'm in there, I'm usually the only customer. It's not like you ever see more than, yeah. it's never full. It's never very busy. I mean, I know it's steady, but... Anyway, uh, that's coming up on the show today. Uh, Dan Duran's news, of course. And uh, don't forget the retirement Sherpa making his Wednesday appearance. And, uh, you know, we'll get to a bunch of other stuff. Uh, All right. In the meantime, Freddie, let's, you know, we've been just kind of hanging around here talking for a half an hour. Is there, uh, let's let's get to some of the fine, fine folks that help support us. As I mentioned yesterday, the NFL season kicks off Thursday night. And the NFL is so much fun to wager on, is it not? Buffalo Bills, a two-and-a-half-point pick uh, to beat the Los Angeles Rams in the league opener on Thursday night. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. From their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. Yeah, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 19... 19- 94. I'm looking at a uh, thing called the ringer.com and it has all the uh, power rankings for the uh, NFL this year. I was just interested to see where Buffalo was. They are number one. Yes. Under the headline Super Bowl or bust. But I was uh, so no surprise because I heard you talking about that with the Bodog mentioned yesterday. Not that I was surprised, but I wanted to run this by you. Would you be able to name? The Gordon Cast, I should say, the team that the power rankings have said would be second to the Super Bowl or bust Buffalo Bills. Hmm, that's an interesting question. I'll give you a couple guesses because the, the top two and three teams, according to this, the ringer.com, would be pretty obvious, I think. I would, so the power, who, if Buffalo's one, who's two? Yeah. Um, would it be Kansas City? You are incorrect. Kansas City's number three. Who's number two? Would it be the Rams? Tampa Bay, baby. Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay. With that old man I know, I know. I'm surprised. And they Uh, have some big injury problems on their offensive line. I'm surprised. Just saying right here. I I thought when I opened it up, I was just curious to see where Buffalo was. And then I started going through it, and I went, oh, uh, Kansas City, yep, uh, they're third. But Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in second place, according to the power rankings at The Ringer. Uh, Never heard of them before, but... I thought it was interesting, because I I, I just... uh, Yeah, I wasn't going to... 
hadn't planned to put you on the spot, but I thought, I wonder what he would come up with. That's not putting me on the spot. Well, you know, I, I don't like to. Um, it is fall, and uh, you know, at some point, you might be thinking about changing your tires. As Dan said, we have a cool contest. And I went on Facebook just a little bit ago, and I've pinned the contest alert to the top of our uh, Facebook page. You can also see it on Twitter and uh, Instagram. These are really, really nice tires, by the way. They're the uh, Extreme Contact. It's a DWS 06 Plus. is a premium all-season ultra-high-performance tire for passenger cars, crossovers, and SUVs. It's ideal for true year-round traction. So you get these tires, that's it. And they're worth it. German-engineered, uh, mastering the Canadian winter due to powerful traction and braking on icy roads. Now, to enter this contest, go to our Facebook page. Simply tag at Conta Canada. Conta, Conti, C-O-N-T-I-C-A-N-A-D-A. Uh, and to, uh, it's really, it's, it's, we're going to give these away tomorrow. Three sets of them. So go ahead, enter all, go and do all the entering now. Enter some more tomorrow. And at the end of the show, we'll, we'll give you three names. These tires, each set are valued up to $1,800, man. And it's all part of the uh, Continental Tire Canada's sponsorship of something called Drive Festival. Are you aware of this? It's presented by Mobile One this weekend, 9 to 11, at uh, Canadian Tire Motor Sport Park in Bowmanville. Check out the Continental Tire Performance Test Track as well as the Continental Tire Display in the Monza Pavilion Fan Zone. A lot of people go to this thing. A lot of people love this stuff. And if you want to hear uh, or find out more about it, go to drivefestival.com. And once again, go enter right now. If you're listening to this uh, later in the day, go right to our Facebook page. Enter your name, and tomorrow we're going to announce it. And as uh, we uh, threw a little wrinkle, make it easier for you, you can email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. Just name and that kind of thing. Say, at Conta Canada. That's how we know you're entering the contest, okay? There you go. There's some old-fashioned uh, Humble and Fred fall promotion right there. Yeah, pretty nice, too. Yeah. Pretty, pretty nice. Pretty nice. Yeah. Pretty nice. Well, especially because it's all seasons. Yes. You, you mentioned to me you're an all-season guy. I've been changing the tires on this piece of crap I've been driving now for four years, and the tires aren't, they're not cheap, especially when you're changing them back. And, yeah. You know, I, I, and I'm now, uh, this is the last year I'm going to be able to use these summers that I've been using because they're weared or worn. But you get a nice free set of tires from Continental Tire, valued at up to $1,800. These are really good ones. They're all seasoned. You never have to change them. I love that. No, fantastic. Okay. High quality. High quality. Well, I'm glad we got that, uh, we got that done. Uh, as I say, Barry Shipley is about uh, 10 minutes away. And uh, what did you have on your agenda? I have a couple other things for you, but uh, where, are you, uh, where are we heading, Frederick? Um, well, several things. Um, another big interest uh, rate hike today, uh, you know, making everyone nervous. Uh, but again, it's uh, what we had 20 years of ridiculously low interest rates and things are tend to be cyclical. And I guess this is just another indication. 
Uh, not a lot to say about that, other than I'm sure that a lot of people will have that on their mind today. Oh, my mortgage rate. Oh, my line of credit. What is this going to mean? No, um, one of the things you said there that's so true is that we've been the benef- benef- we've benefited the benefactors. Yeah, we've benefited those of us that bought homes in the you know early '90s with one. But I was going to say I remember my first mortgage on that place on Windermere. In the west end of the city, I bought a house that was two hundred and sixty thousand ish dollars, and uh, my mortgage rate was, I think, originally thirteen percent. Yeah, and then it went down to eleven when I blended in. I bought my second house, but remember, those were the days, the early nineties, of high, high interest rates. Yeah. And then there was a spot, I guess, around the middle of the nineties, late nineties, when it started to decline. And as you say, for twenty years now, it has been. Hovering around what? 3%, 4%? Um, what, a mortgage rate? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Bank of Canada was like a quarter or something, and it's going to be over three now or something. They expect. And so what's that going to do to an average mortgage rate? Well, I saw a thing today. If you have like a $500,000 mortgage, it'll mean a couple thousand more a year mm-hmm. in interest rates. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's the way it works. And uh, that's, well, that's the way she works. Can you imagine? Like, I, I, I was going to say, I remember my first mortgage was probably no more than 100000 Maybe I'm trying to think of what we had. Maybe it was yeah. 150000 on a $260,000 house. That's probably yeah. what it was. Yeah. And at 13%, it was, you know, all we could afford. Right. And then it's nothing now. For someone to have a five or six or eight hundred thousand dollar mortgage, I, I don't know. For me, as a thirty-something-year-old human, I don't know that I could have handled it. No, and there's and the problem is for a lot of people during the COVID frenzy. You know, people paid a lot of money for houses, and interest rates were really low. And not even that they're going to sell them, or they were doing it for. Well, a lot of people did it because they were afraid they were going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. But just say you, you're you one of those guys, $800,000 mortgage when you bought a year ago, and then what the interest are and interest rates are now, obviously, the higher the mortgage, the higher, or the more the interest rate hike will affect you. So it could put a lot of people in a position that I can no longer afford this month to mm-hmm. month. And then what happens? No, exactly. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Always, always something. Always something. I'm trying to see. I've, I put away this uh, bit from yesterday. I wanted to run it by you. And now, of course, I can't find it. Oh, here it is. But what? Um, this is, uh, you know, uh, if we had a heyday, I don't know if we did. If we had a, a moment in our collective radio partnership that we were, you know, uh, maybe the most relevant would have been the 90s. You know, we... The Edge sort of took off with us back in 1992, and we were the morning right. show there until 2001. But, mm-hmm. you know, for most of the, the that decade, you know, you'd say that was, if again, if we had a heyday. It was probably, it was probably actually a day. Like, other people had, like, a, you know, a career, but we had, like, a moment. So, yeah. this is something I thought you might find cute, because you have a nine-year-old grandson... And this is a bit I found on the social media. It says, asking my 13-year-old son questions about the 90s. Hold on a second. Let me uh, get rid of that. 
Okay. Here we go. And it's just interesting what a 13-year-old, that's somebody born in the, what is that, 2009? I have some questions for you from the 90s. Okay. So I want to see if you know what any of these are. Just take your best guess. All right. Okay. What are the yellow pages? Yellow pages? Yeah. Are they like some pants or something? <laughs> Sounds like some, like, name for pants. Like. So think about it. A th- you know, I, I don't know. Would Danny... I, I know Charlie and Spencer, who are 23 and 27, would have a memory of Yellow Pages because we had Yellow Pages in Oakville during their childhood. It was, a, oh, yeah. it was still a thing. Yeah, my kids would have no problem with that. But the babies, the grandkids, would never have seen no. a Yellow Pages. No, no, no. Okay. Do they still have them, by the way? Um, I don't... You know, I think here in Brampton, they distribute uh, Brampton Yellow Pages, but it's more a, an advertising vehicle. Oh, yeah. And, and and again, I don't even know if they have that anymore. <laughs> I, just, uh, I just remembered, <laughs> because we had our blue box in the Oakville house somewhere toward the back of the house. I just remember that it was like this ritual where you would take the Yellow Pages and walk it through your home and just toss it. Yeah. yeah. There's no phone books anymore, right? No. Okay. I, I, I you know, I... They mean Remember like the white pages. Oh, they, they were, were huge. Heavy? Yeah. All right. Here's some more swag. Especially for Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What is a Rolodex? A Rolodex? There's another thing. I remembered. The reason I wanted to do that one is I remember your Rolodex by your desk. Still have it. Do you really? Oh, yeah. I kept it. Yep. And it was in our studio. Yep. Next to your typewriter. Yep. <laughs> that was that. My for, manual. Your manual, manual typewriter. typewriter. This is when yep. we started. You had a manual typewriter next to your Rolodex. Yep. Yeah, I still have it. I kept it. I don't think my children could come up with what a Rolodex is. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. They think like it was a watch. They would think, yeah, exactly. Rolex? That's what he thought it was. Nope. <laughs> Dang. All right. Okay. What does it mean if I were to say... I need to burn a CD. Burn a CD. Like- Remember doing that? Like now, now you put together Spotify or whatever playlists. But I remember burning CDs. And now I don't have a thing. There's nothing in my house that plays CDs. No. In fact, CDs I thought were great because the sound was great. They were convenient. Didn't take up as much space. And when I found out you could actually make your own, burn your own, I yeah. thought... Technology has gone through the roof now. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, I never really understood. People used to talk about digital technology, but I never really fully understand it, uh, understood exactly what they were talking about. Because I was always in the, you know, in the practice. Most of my life, it was it was a record. It was mm-hmm. a CD player, something you could you touch and had to put somewhere. Right, the a physical. Concept yeah. of digital was like, what, what, what exactly is that? Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, I remember we had this discussion, you and I, recently about, you know, your first iPod and how, and, and how it was like, oh, you could put hundreds of songs on it, you know, and cut to your phone, which has all the songs on it. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, it was quite a breakthrough. I still remember taking a, a black mar- magic marker and writing on the CD what we well, you know what it was. Or yeah, um, here are a couple more. Like, watch a CD. Do you know what a CD is? It's like a it's like a it's thing like they use to like. Now like, yeah, you sort of has an idea. <laughs> I forget what it stands for. No, it's like you play movies on it and stuff, right? All right, all right. 
watch the music thing. Yeah, okay. Into a CD. Okay, nope. Dang it. <laughs> what is a collect call? Oh, that's another one. You remember doing that? I used to do that to my parents. It was like oh, yeah. a big thing to call yep. long distance. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And then uh, people would have to accept the charges. And I did that all through the 80s to my, my mom and dad. I would call home. Right. From and right, the, the operator used to say, it's um, Howard calling. Do you accept the charges? Yes, yes, operator. Oh, yeah. You had to, have, you had to call the or operator. Or was I reversing the charges? No, I no, forget. no. You're right. Okay, here's, yeah. our, here's our guy, Barry. No, you're right. Hmm. Um, yeah, and I, and I don't At some point, because it was an expensive thing to make a long-distance call. Yeah. It was stupid. Actually, it's a price. Let's go. So let's get Barry in here. What happened with Barry last time? Was that our fault or Barry's fault? It was somebody's fault. Listen, there's no faults, Barry. There is no fault. How you doing, gentlemen? Good, man. Very good. Barry, no, thanks for uh, waiting and, and coming back. And, and again, I couldn't remember whatever happened last time. It doesn't matter. I'm supposed to ask one of you guys how your feet are feeling. I'm not sure why, but somebody sent me a note last night knowing I was on the show. And somebody, uh, she, a, a chiropractor named Dr. Cindy. <laughs> okay, that was, could be. <laughs> yeah, I was having some trouble with uh, uh, my. I have a bit of an aroma. What is it, an aroma or neuropathy? Oh, yeah. yeah, I've got yeah. some nervy stuff, and I was getting some treatment from it from somebody in your world who is a runner. And I'm pretty sure it was Dr. Cindy or my friend Sandy Orlando. It's, it's yeah, well, there, there are two of them are running. Uh, they've got their half marathon. Yes. This, yeah. Well, you say hi to them for me and tell Dr. Cindy and Sandy that I'm doing pretty well. That's, um, that's awesome. I, I thought of you the other day because uh, I was playing golf with a guy and I he's a very good golfer, tall, athletic dude, 48. And he has a bunch of ink on his arms. But on the back of his leg, Barry, he had this symbol. And I said to him. After a few holes, I go, what is that? I said, you got a lot of stuff going on on your arms there, but you have one singular thing on your calf. What is that? An Iron Man logo. It was the Iron Man. It was the symbol of having completed an actual Iron Man. No, it's it's the craziest thing. I probably have had, uh, and in fact, I have one on my back. One of my guys won the Iron Man, Hawaii Iron Man, and I said I would only do it if he won the world championships. Uh, But there's... What other company in the world could you get, you know, to ink your own body with their logo? I mean, Coca-Cola or or it's the craziest thing, but it's such a massive accomplishment. I think, you know, in some cases, people overcome 100 pound weight loss or overcome cancer or go through a divorce or whatever. And it's sort of like the current, you know, Mount Everest. Yes, it's doable, but it's not freaking easy. And so it's something that they feel incredibly proud of. And, and, you know, years later, I'll run into somebody at a standing in line at a Canada's Wonderland or whatever. And you look down on their calf and there's the, you know, kind of verification of what, you know, was a couple of hard years to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, I still have the standing offer. I will have humble tattooed across my forehead. When he wins the U.S. Open, <laughs> that's, that's right. More than fair. That's, that's I, you know what, and I'll tell you standing. what. Standing, <laughs> I have a, I have a better chance of doing that than completing a triathlon. I mentioned earlier yeah. this is uh, Canada's national triathlon team coach uh, in 1991, and for several years after that, Barry's got a book called Chasing Greatness, and and a lot of it has to do with 
your adventures as a coach, as a broadcaster. I want to get back to Iron Man for a second, because I was talking to this guy's name is Noah. And, I, and for the rest of the round, I was asking him questions about it. And I was fascinated. He just did one. But but just take me through or take us through. Can anyone do it? Because you mentioned it's a couple hard years. Can anyone do it? Or do, is there like, I don't know, like if somebody said to me, I want to become a scratch golfer. You know, yes, it's possible. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's not probable, though. And it's something that, you know, like a, it's something to to work toward, but not everyone can do it. What is it similar? You could I guarantee you, I, I guarantee you that in 12 months, if you wanted to do one, I could successfully get you to the finishing line. Now, much harder to you know win a massive golf tournament where you've got to be, you know, 12 under under par, that kind of thing. So we have 17 hours to get the job done, which sounds like a lot. But when you break it down into the cutoff times, it starts, you know, at uh, six o'clock in the morning. You basically start when the sunlight comes up wherever the race is around the world. And there's now about 50 of these from Penticton to Germany to the big famous one in, in Hawaii. So you pick one that might be more suitable for the athlete and you have 17 hours to get to the finish line. You've got to be out of the water in, in two hours and 20 minutes. You have to be off the bike by 10 and a half hours, meaning you've done now a 2.4 mile swim and 112 mile bike ride. And then you get to start your 26 mile marathon and you have till the stroke of midnight to cross the line. And I have actually seen people miss by 15 or 20 seconds. It's mm. the most heartbreaking thing to imagine. You've been out there for 17 hours and 15 seconds and you don't get that medal at the finishing line. So it this gentleman did all of that in 11 hours. Is that a good time? Phenomenal time. Okay. Ab- absolutely. I mean, any time you get anywhere close to, to uh, 10 to 11 hours is absolutely spectacular. The, the interesting thing is, you personally don't get to go out and golf on the exact same course at the exact same time that Tiger and, you know, Mike Weir and all the best golfers in the world. The gun goes off and you are with the greatest, you know, pros in the world mm-hmm. on the exact same course. Amazingly, they do it in half the time that you would. So, you know, they'll be in under eight hours and I have athletes finishing in 16 hours. And the pros say to me. Yeah, it sounds impressive that I did that in eight, but I can't imagine being out there for another eight hours after mm-hmm. they got into the shower and finished and had a meal. There's still people out there for another seven or eight hours. So it's it's a spectrum of humanity. And I'll, just to get back quickly to the analogy of becoming scratch, like I, I will tell you, if you started today in 12 months time, you're less likely to become a scratch golfer. It, it, I'm, I'm telling you, it's 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 not analogous. It's doable. It could you could do it, but I would tell you the training you'd need. I, that's why I want to get into the training of what does it take somebody like Fred and I said to you, hey, it's the seventh of September. Next September, we want to we want to try this. Well, well, I'll give you an example of a former Toronto Maple Leaf. So uh, Scott Thornton played for Toronto. He played for all kinds of teams. San Jose was really most of his career, a little bit of Boston time. Um, now lives in Collingwood. He had just retired uh, from pro hockey and had seen one of my athletes. He lives up in Collingwood at the YMCA pool swimming, said, wow, that lady looks pretty fit. You know, what do you do? CrossFit, whatever. And she said, oh, I'm training for Ironman with this guy, Barry Shepley. And he said, you know what? I've always dreamed about it, but because of his NHL contract, he just couldn't do these things outside of his hockey career. Now he was retired. So we met and I said, you know, are you serious about this or just want to get to the finishing line? He said, nah, you know, 17 years in NHL, you don't do that without being pretty competitive. So we said, okay, well, let's, let's see. So I looked all the way back through all the years and a guy named Pat LaFontaine used to play for the Islanders. 
uh, was a smaller guy, 175 pounds. He had done an Ironman in under 12 hours, 11 hours and change. So I said to Scott, why don't we unofficially set the world record for the fastest hockey player in the history of Ironman? And so in less than nine months, we went from him not knowing how to put his face in the water. I mean, not knowing how to put his face in the water to have to swim 2.4 miles. We, were, we went to Austria for that particular Ironman. Uh, then 112 miles in the mountains and then a 26 mile marathon. And he went like 11 hours and 44 minutes and unofficially in our little world set the world record for a fastest hockey player. So he was a competitive fit dude, but he weighed like 220 pounds of rock and muscle. You know, that's a lot of meat to be moving around a course for 11 plus hours. So you guys are under 220. It'd be easier to to get you there. But essentially, you know, you look at each person's kind of how much time do they have on their hands? Do they come in with, you know, I had a knee injury, I had whatever the case may be, and I modify the training around what that person's time limitations are, injuries and so forth. Yeah. Uh, two questions there. I, I, you know, Howard started by saying, can anyone do it? I, I guess the biggest barrier would be time. Do you have the time to put into it? And a lot of people just simply would not have enough time to put into it, into it to be able to finally do the Iron Man thing. Is that, that, a- that that's a huge one? And so one of the very first things I sit down and say, look, this is a stupid thing. This Iron Man, this marathon, they're dumb as hell. Why the hell do you want to do that, right? And then when I understand, you know what, I, I, I overcame this, this cancer or I overcame 100-pound weight loss and this is a mm-hmm. celebration of that, I get it. Now the next question is why do we do it this year? You know, if you're starting up a new business or a new podcast or your kids are just starting, you know, whatever, this isn't the year to do it. There are this spectrum of races that go from as short as like 50-minute little mini triathlons that you can do in mm-hmm. stay in shape all the way to this stupid thing at the other end of the spectrum. So when you finally say you're going to do it, the other thing I try to do is sit down with the person's husband or wife or partner to say, like, this is going to impact your life because yeah. suddenly your, your husband or wife's going to be out on a six-hour bike ride on a Saturday when you want to be out on the boat. Um, yeah. You know, do you guys have a collective uh, appreciation that this is a big family project, which is why I almost always try to get people to let's pick a cool place that the whole family is going to go, wow, we're going to go to Germany. We're going to go to Austria. We're going to go to Australia. We're going to go someplace really cool uh, where the whole family feels like we're a part of that experience. Mom or dad did this thing for nine or 10 months. And now the celebration is we spend a week in Austria or wherever. Sweden. So it all, it also involves, you know, having the, the money to support something like that as well. What about people that generally over their lives haven't been in that great a shape, which would be me. And then would you take someone in their sixties at whatever? You got to read that too old. Barry, what'd you say? He's got to read my book because there's a perfect example. There was a 61 year old guy who had not done exercise in 15 years. Mm-hmm. He was he was at, at a party where we were introducing 30 people who didn't know each other who were going to come to a, an Ironman with me. It was an introduction. And he got so inspired by the end of the night. He was actually hosting the party because his son was doing it. He pulled me into his office in the house and said, do you think I could do this? I mean, I haven't done X, Y and Z. And we took the 10 minutes to say, do you have enough time? Do you really want to try one of these, et cetera? And the answers to all of them came up. I realized that this guy had been very successful in business because he set goals a lot of time made them happen. So we come out into the living room to declare to his wife and my wife and the other 30 people, we now have a 31st person who's joining us. And I got the ugly from both his wife and my wife. Uh, I, 
but that was January. And in uh, July, less than seven months later, he did Ironman Austria and literally had not done exercise for 15 years. Now we went and got the medical test, make sure that, you know, there's a difference between your muscles are out of shape and you shouldn't, you know, physiologically do something because of cardio. Yeah, I I would be afraid of injuring myself because obviously, you know, in your 60s, the recovery is tougher. So there's a lot to think about. You know, in his his case, just to hmm. finish that off, he had bad knees from football and hockey and we made the decision. So just so you understand this, we made the decision that we were, he was never going to run one step of the marathon. We power walked the entire 26 miles. Okay, oh, cool. So you can because, do that. But we had to get, be fast enough on the swim and bike to make the cutoff. So we, right. knew that, we knew that if he tried to run, he would be in trouble and, and probably break down, never get there. So he power walked the entire marathon in under seven hours uh, and did the entire race in under 17 and had a medal. And his family couldn't believe that daddy did this. Um, wow. Barry's book is called Chasing Greatness because it's not just about and, and Barry's worked with Olympic gold medal athletes. But but I think for our purposes, it's I, I, I for me personally, it's fascinating that you've worked with just regular people. Because, you know, the, the reason that people will put the Iron Man symbol on their calf is it really is an achievement. It's more of a, whether you're a 17-hour or an 8-hour pro, it really is about the journey. Is it not? The idea, and I haven't read the book, but I have a, I'm an assumption, and it could be incorrect, that chasing greatness is about the chase. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's a personal process. And, you know, in there, it, it's only 1978 that that very first Ironman ever happened. And it was 12 people arguing over who was the fittest person in Hawaii. If you go back to the history of that first race, only a dozen people did it, mostly military, because the guy who hosted it was in the U.S. Uh, Navy. And so this dozen people, there were no road closures. It was just that has to be the craziest thing you could do. And so why those distances? There was the Waikiki 2.4 mile swim already existing. And there was the around the island of Oahu 112 mile bike ride. And there was the Honolulu Marathon 26 miles. So they said, well, hey, there's three events. Let's put them together. And you would be an Ironman if you could ever finish. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost a, a crazy lark. But what happened was Sports Illustrated took up the story uh, and the year after Sports Illustrated took up the story, ABC Wild World of Sports, if we remember that old thing from the 80s that used to be on every Saturday, mm-hmm. went to Hawaii to just say, this is the stupidest dozen people we've ever met. And there was a woman I was just with last week. Her name's Julie Moss. She was about to win the race. Imagine this. She's about to win. She is up 300 meters from the finishing line, and she runs out of gas, and she starts to crawl to the mm. finishing line. Right. And she's passed. She's passed in the last 100 meters. And people's psyche was, oh, my God, that looks like the hardest thing. How do I sign up? And the next year, it over tripled and the rest kind of is history. Now the race is all around the world. But it was capturing the spirit of could I do that? And when the day started, many of those people still don't know if they're going to get to the finish. But you made an interesting point. It's like uh, climbing Everest. It's doable. You know, anyone can do it. It's do you have the commitment and the personal, you know, whatever a lot of factors. A yeah. lot of factors. You know, like Freddie always, you know, kids me about how could I play golf as much as I do. And I, and I was working with my golf trainer yesterday. And I said to him, he asked me how, you know, we start every session. What's basically what's hurting on you? 
And, I, and I've said to him, I know there's an, a sort of a, an allowable amount of soreness I'm going to have on the, on the way to my goal. And I understand that. But that's not, you know, I'm swinging a golf club uh, a bunch of days and I'm working on my fitness, but that's not running 26 miles. But the reason, yeah, I'm, the reason I say that, though, is that that's drive. not for everybody. 26 miles, not everyone can do that. Yeah, a short answer is you're correct. And so the most important thing is I'll do a complete assessment to make sure physiologically and cardiac heart is safe. You know, okay, I'm out of shape for 30 years. I've seen a 100-pound weight loss uh, mm-hmm. for people. I've seen them go from I can't run 3K to a full Ironman. So the reality just comes down to why. And in many cases, I talk people out of it. Say, look, yeah. I know how busy your career is. I know that you've got these issues going on. And almost every time they kind of violate what I suggest and they go off and try to do it, they don't hit the finishing line. Like halfway through the experience, it's the fun factor runs out, they get injured, et cetera. So I think any goal needs to be kind of why do I want to do it? How meaningful is it? How much resources can I put into it? You know, and in the book, you, you, I talk about one of the individuals who I helped swim across Lake Ontario. I mean, 52 kilometers, 17 hours, nonstop going from, you know, Niagara-on-the-Lake to Maryland Bell Park. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of that lake, it turns out to 48, 49 degrees for three or four hours in the middle of the night in the dark. You got to know why you want to do this. In Mm -hmm. this particular gentleman's case, uh, he'd worked for the Toronto Star and he remember doing the heading for the newspaper and three people in the same family. There were new immigrants to Canada, all drowned in a condo pool in Toronto. This is probably about 14 years ago. And it just broke his heart that something as simple as learning how to swim 20 meters would have saved all the lives. So he raised money for swim lessons for new immigrants to Canada. And so in the middle of the night, when you're freezing your ass off in the middle of Lake Ontario and your muscles are sore, he could visualize helping a family who would not have to see a son or daughter drown mm-hmm. in a condo pool. And, and I think you'll, all, the more you can have a, a why – easier it is to do those things yeah it's interesting you say that because when people do swim the lake i i always think that why like why why would you want to <laughs> do that why are you doing that because you've got to do it in the middle well of and the there's trend because there's other ways of transportation across the <laughs> yes. lake it's, um yeah. On the, from an Olympic standpoint, I remember you coached Simon Whitfield, and I remember back in 2000 when he really came from nowhere to win that. Is it hard to recruit Olympians for a triathlon because it's a little more complex? Well, the, a lot less of them than there are people that do individual sports. Well, the, the interesting thing was uh, I had started a program literally Simon's first summer. So I was the chairman of Triathlon Ontario, and I was concerned that there was nothing happening with kids. If you look at every other sport in Canada, there's a million kids who swim or play soccer or hockey or what basketball, and eventually a few become elite down the road. We had this sport where all of them were, everyone was an adult. There was no youth. So I said, look, we've got an upside-down pyramid and no new blood coming in. So I started a program called Kids of Steel, stealing off the Iron, Iron Man, the idea of Iron Man, Kids of Steel. And I put these events on right across the province and went up to this little town called Charbot Lake, just outside of Kingston. And 12-year-old Simon Whitfield's next-door neighbor had a cottage at Charbot Lake. And he had a hockey helmet and a mountain bike and a pair of old running shoes and entered his first Kids of Steel race. So that's where we met. 35 years ago, he's 12, wow. and he mm. fell in love with the sport. And so I took him to camps all across you know, North America where we would race, eventually the World Juniors. And he went from being an, a, a good athlete but late developer. And that's, you know, I talk about that in the story. 
so many coaches wrongly and parents wrongly let kids who are late bloomers just they they don't have it you know because they're a little smaller they're not as big they can't run as fast as another 12 year old or 11 year old they just kind of just say well there's no potential there and simon was the best example he never won you know the world junior championships and seven years later he won the olympic games gold so we spent uh, the last 35 years together and you can't imagine and the book actually starts off somebody that you guys will remember the great alex bauman i was making minivans i was making vans in chrysler and windsor as a summer student in 1984, when Alex Bauman won that gold medal in L.A. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell the story. You guys will relate to this. Uh, 500 strangers who don't know each other. They sit with their lunchbox every day. They don't say a word to each other in this factory are cheering up and down because a Canadian, he had a maple leaf on his peck. This Canadian kid beat all the Americans, beat the Aussies, beat the Germans. He's our guy. And I, I still have goosebumps right now thinking about that. And that drove me for the next 16 years to want to be an Olympic coach. And so 16 years later, here I am at the Sydney Olympics and Simon in the last 300 meters passes this German boy on Macquarie Street to win the gold. And wow. I thought I was having a dream. You know, this was this was happening in front of my eyes, live in front of the opera house where a Canadian kid who I'd met when he was 12 Wow. Is now winning Canada's first gold medal. Great story. Yes. It, it is a great story. And I, and, and I want to ask this question because your, your book is called Chasing Greatness. So kind of a two-part. What does it take to coach greatness? And what does it take to help people coach? Or how does it, is it different to coach people to, to chase their own greatness? Like, you know what I mean? Like, have you, like you sort of mentioned you turn some people down. Do you turn people down? You just go, listen, this isn't for you. I can tell right now that you don't, that you don't know what's ahead of you. And I always think of that, uh, Mike Tyson line. Everyone's got a game plan until they're punched in the face. Right. Like, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm going to be in a triathlon. It's exciting. And the novelty. And all of a sudden it's Sunday and you're on a six hour bike ride. Well, I let them taste it, right? So here's what I do. Um, I mean, I'll start off with the questions. And if their answers right from the beginning illustrate to me they just can't be disciplined for three hours, let alone five years, it's clear that they're not going to you know, become a doctor or play a piano at a you know, top level or become an Olympic athlete. All those take discipline, years of, of commitment, and delayed gratification. So when I look at somebody who has to have gratification in 15 minutes, I know they're never going to be great at anything. So in the end of the day, I will then maybe get them started. They say, oh, no, no, no. So I say, okay, well, let's put a month together here and see if you can even show up for three weeks, you know, at six o'clock the next morning when your muscles are sore, you know, mm-hmm. do the boys come back out to the pool or get into the weight room and get on their bicycle on a rainy day when it's pissing out, you don't want to be outside, et cetera. So you start to see pretty quickly, you know, what is possible. And so there's, a, there's an athlete I talk about in the book. Literally, I'm going to be with him next weekend in Dallas. Uh, and this is now just over 10 years ago, 11 years ago, this guy had got mixed up with drugs. He was in a really bad place in Windsor. He was depressed and he had literally a chain around his neck going to hop off uh, a fence and, and kill himself. And he thought for 10 minutes what his mother was going to think when the police found him. And he got off the fence after a year and a half of being in a drug haze and had stolen from people, had no money left, had you know finished, had kicked out of university, everything falling apart. And he, he got in touch and eventually started to train. Right now, he's the number two ranked Ironman guy in the world. Uh, but it took us, you know, him being at the lowest point of his life and then needing a goal that he could convert that energy into. And so to watch what he's been able to do, we first had to get him a bike and then we got him at to McMaster University and so forth. So 
these people exist, mm-hmm. but they're, they're still rare at the highest level. And so when you're chasing greatness, you need to have a team around you that believe in your dream. And I've seen nobody in my experience, Alex Bauman had Dr. Tahani and, you know, go down the list of, of the great golfers have a great, you know, golf coach behind them. And, and Steve Nash has had fantastic basketball coaches. You have to have a team of people around you and the people I've helped have had not just me, but their family and other coaches. Mm-hmm. Well, you said something interesting there about delayed gratification. And I have a friend of mine who's just got his PhD in sports psychology, and he works with golfers. And we were talking last night um, for a while, and one of the things, you know, one of the things that comes up thematically when people are chasing anything of excellence is, are you invested in the process because the gratification is going to come later. And sometimes you have to remind yourself from time to time that there's joy in the process. And, and I was wondering, can you tell early on, maybe even in that first meeting, if somebody's got what it takes to go through the process, the physical discomfort and, and as Freddie was saying, the time, the family, the commitment. But can you tell that pretty quickly? Yeah, uh, certainly not. Maybe not in the first you know day, but within a month for sure. And you've nailed it because you know people look and they go, "Wow, that's what Brooke Henderson looks like winning a million dollars on television." Well, yeah. guess what? There was a thousand hours outside on an October day, chipping balls in the rain, that nobody was cheering, and there was no paycheck, and there was none of that. So if we we always celebrate. So what we did, for example, at the Olympics, this is before Simon ever won. I had a woman who was favored to win the gold medal and she crashed and, and broke her arm and never finished the race. Simon, nobody knew he hadn't won a big race. And, you know, three days later, he wins the gold. But what we've done in all those cases, I celebrate about three or four days before the Boston Marathon, before the Olympic Games, before the Super Bowl. And people used to always think that was really weird. Why are you doing that three days before the marathon or the Ironman? Because I really don't care what happens on the event day. I mean, of course I do, but I'm I, I'm celebrating the journey, the process, the cold days, the coming back from injury, the rehabilitation of your knee or your shoulder. All the people we had, literally the parents, the coaches, the CBC staff, all the people who had worked with our Olympic team in Sydney were there to celebrate because I didn't want to differentiate any athlete. Oh, you're more important than I am, whatever. And I always ask parents this question. When was the last time you took your kid's soccer team to Boston Pizza uh, after they lost the baseball tournament? Mm-hmm. The answer is always never. The only thing that they're celebrating is winning, right. not the process <clears throat> of training for and getting there. So, I, you know, I want to go into a Boston Pizza and see the kids who went from total ragtags yeah. to ninth in the league. And they're celebrating improvement instead of just winning. Um, it says here you also coach Jesse and Gene. I, I know the Jesse story is is pretty remarkable. I mean, he's still doing triathlons. The Gene, that, there's a little bit of a contrast. The, the Gene aspect of that, but again, was this a bit years ago where those guys decided they wanted to get in, in shape? And well, it, it's so I'll take two seconds to really bring it to quick. But the, the interesting thing was uh, Jesse did want to seriously train, yeah. and so he, he called us. And I started working with him. He made the national age group team, went to Worlds, did Ironman, absolutely loved it. Gene was not prepared to make a lifestyle change. So he was what the hell are yeah. you guys doing? Right. Then some lifestyle things happened in his family. Yes. And suddenly you hit that 40 and there's some issues happening. And so when he called to say, I want to make a change, I could tell 
if I had tried two years before, it would have been the biggest sure. waste of my time to try to work with Gene Vladis. But my, my partner at the time, uh, Sheldon Prasad, and I started to work with the two of them. And we had the most fun because they decided, let's go and do the New York Marathon. So we prepared both Jesse and Gene and a dozen listeners to go to New York, and all of them ran. Amazing. He lost 30-some pounds uh, and had just an incredible experience. And in the book, there's a story, though, the year after he decides he wants to run Toronto Marathon with listeners. And I'm out on St. Clair Avenue. It's pouring rain. He's not having a great day. His tummy is a little bit upset, et cetera. And he's, his hands are freezing. It's October and it's probably three degrees in rain. He says, can you get me some, some gloves? And I'm looking on St. Clair. I can't find gloves. So I end up giving him my socks. I take my socks. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Socks over his hands. Well, Jesse calls me later on that night to look. Poor Gene. He got down on college about two miles to go. And his stomach was just letting go. And so he goes to a portage on. There's no toilet paper left. He wipes his rear with your socks. Nice. Nice. throws him away. So you know how Jesse is. So we have a bit. Gene does not know this when we call (laughs) him on the morning. And so I start off by saying, Gene, you know, I know that, you know, it was a long day, but congrats. And the next thing you know, he says, uh, uh, these socks are in the (laughs) That's great. Anyway, these are crazy guys, but they they still are. are. They are crazy guys. Uh, Barry Shepley, what a... uh, Great uh, conversation. Thank you very much. We recommend uh, Barry's book, Chasing Greatness. We'd love to have you back. I love talking about this stuff. Uh, you know, they say that if you are if you only get confidence from results, you're always... What is that phrase? You, you, if your, your confidence needs to come from the process, not the results. Absolutely. Thanks, Barry. Have a great Thanks, day, Barry. guys. Appreciate okay, you, sir. Thank you. That's Barry Shepley. The uh, book is Chasing Greatness, and Barry is our gig sky. Uh, guest of the day... Happy to have him. If you're thinking about getting away this winter, uh, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, wherever you're going, Barry, just let yourself out. Um, uh, you deserve peace of mind when you travel. Uh, surf like a local with the tap of a button. Gig Sky is the answer, Fred. They offer a 100% data plan. Uh, and it's really peace of mind when you travel. And now, of course, we've been talking a little bit about travel rewards. That means GigSky can give you up to 50% cash back on over 850,000 hotels around the planet, reduce rates for rental cars, which are very expensive right now, and you can book your theme park adventure directly from your GigSky account. GigSky.com slash travel rewards, and of course, download the app uh, for, uh, you know, Android or iOS. Uh, enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. Go to GigSky.com. Freddie? Uh, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, that is the official name. Uh, You find it by going to chamberplan.ca, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Yeah, it's the leading group benefit plan for small business, one to, say, 100 employees. You can get a free quote today. Uh, Go to chamberplan.ca. There's a badge there. It says get a free quote. You can also read all the testimonials, all the uh, small companies that have you know, become members of the Chamber Plan and how it's worked for their business, their employees, all good stuff. I mean, really fantastic. Uh, prescriptions and dental, and there's all sorts of other products under the umbrella, depending on the level that you buy into. They have an HR component now, mental health. They're cutting edge. They stay in front of it all the time. It's the Chamber's Plan. Chamberplan.ca. Interesting talking about the uh, at the beginning of that conversation with Barry about like, could you take a 
somebody who's never run a marathon or a triathlon, any of that stuff, or I mean, a swam, or could you take them and in a year have them enter a triathlon? And and you could. I mean, you can you could train yourself. But if you took a person who had never golfed before and said, okay, can I turn that person into scratch? Meaning somebody that shoots par or better in a year? And the answer is no. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you could turn somebody into a, you know, decent enough player and maybe, maybe to break 80 in a year. But I would say it would be, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how likely that would be, but, uh, you know, I, I once, I don't know, I, years ago, my ex, uh, Randy, was into running marathons. In fact, Randy ran a few, I think she ran a marathon, ran a, a few half marathons. Mm-hmm. And I trained with her to run a 10K. And I ran all winter and we ran a 10K in the spring. And that was enough for me. I just found it. First of all, I didn't like running. <laughs> just don't. I don't. I don't really I, like I'm it that much. I'm the same way. You know? I, I, as a kid, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. I would set like a distance and then challenge myself and love it. But as I, once I discovered other things, like <laughs> you know, beer and smokes and stuff. Yeah. Like, you I, know. I just remember that we were running up Young Street in this marathon and uh, half mar- or the 10K, I mean, and we got into an mm. argument and the argument was because she was running too fast. <laughs> I, didn't, oh. I didn't like it. She wouldn't. She was leaving me behind. I'm like, you know, come on. I thought we were supposed to do this together. Uh, anyway, here's a guy that is, uh, he's in it for the, he, you know what? When it comes to investing, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And here with more, with his weekly visit on all things financial. And looking pretty goddamn good. I'm just going to tell you that. He's very attractive. Uh, he is a retirement Sherma. Sherma the retirement Sherma. Hey, Timmy. Uh, well, my uh, ethnic friends call me the retirement shawarma, but you know, that's okay. <laughs> the retirement uh, shawarma. Good morning. I've just downloaded Barry's ebook, and uh, I don't know whether I'm going to become a triathlete or scratch golfer first. I better decide that. Uh, pretty interesting guy, though. You know, we talk about coaching. Uh, one thing I didn't ask him, I, I, I was, I wanted to ask him if you have like, what is the, what do you pay somebody to help coach you uh, into for a mara triathlon? It's got to be a bit of a commitment. Well, a, a former captain at Glen Cairn, uh, not me, was uh, CEO of Triathlon Canada back in the day. So they would have intersected, I think, uh, for a few years. I know he was there when Simon uh, won uh, the, the triathlon and also uh, was with Tennis Canada when LaRoe and whoever his partner was uh, won the gold medal in uh, Beijing. But in a way, isn't you're kind of a you're kind of a financial uh coach well you are a financial coach hoping to your, your book is like chasing great returns and i was only i was being somewhat facetious but in, investing is a marathon that's the whole idea that you're not like if you're looking for instant gratification which a lot of people do playing their own you know investing in the stock market themselves that's when they get hurt and isn't that the whole philosophy of warren buffett of of investing over time uh and gaining gaining over time yeah, absolutely right. Uh, a, a lot of things Barry actually talked about the the vision, the patience, the goals, uh, not needing the instant gratification. Uh, it's kind of hard when at nine thirty in the morning, radio stations are telling you what the price of gold is done for that day. Which, as I said before, I've never quite understood why that's of any importance, but uh, it, it certainly isn't to the most investors. And actually, yesterday was a, a great case. Uh, some awesome people who became clients through the uh, through the show last. Uh, I think October or so. 
And and as you know, the last uh, you know eight, ten, twelve months haven't been the best in the market. So uh, you know you've really got to when your initial experience is is negative, you, you've really got to see the big picture and persevere and be patient and uh, see where the victories are because there's lots of them too. So yeah, long term focus super important. Yes, well said, well said. Because uh, we're in uh, some crazy times right now, are we not, Timmy? Oh my God, I don't know when we aren't, but it certainly seems like we are right now. There's there's no doubt about that, right? And yeah, the other uh, you mentioned the interest rate earlier on this morning. I was listening, of course, and uh, I mean the market expects that to happen, so I don't think that's going to be a really big concern. But I, I think you're going to see inflation turn around faster than than we think and and part of why not that i'm a policy expert uh is just with these these big rate increases if you're like me and you have a variable uh Mm -hmm. mortgage that's going to change your monthly or weekly payments somewhat though that's for sure right uh kids back to school yesterday and uh, another you know from time to time we have to think about the registered education savings plan and the benefits that can represent to people right absolutely you know it's kind of a non-creative time to talk about it with kids going back to school but our esps registered education savings plans are awesome right anytime you can get free money you know for something that you really want to do or need to do or are going to do uh anyhow is fantastic so uh canadians can get uh 20 uh, percent within limits uh 20 percent uh, freebie from the government towards their kids education you know, it's funny. One of those things that I, if you're not a parent, you probably haven't considered it. But as a parent that had both of my children, uh, you know, invested in that for their entire lives, it really was one of those things that was, uh, you know, one of the kids, I think Spencer still has a few thousand left in it, but both of my kids went to school. And it's one of those things like, you know, the whole idea of paying yourself first. It just it was sort of one of the things we, we, we did for every month and it just sort of added up. And it really is, you know, it, it's not only how it works is not just to pay for the education, but you're allowed you you have access to those funds as long as you're using it for school. It really does uh, pay off. What, what do you what do you want people to know in terms of how much should they be putting in or is it just anything you can afford? So, uh, actually, a fun fact is you just have to be registered for school. You could arguably use the money to buy a, a sports car or something like that. Oh, Howard, you can? But, uh, Wait a minute. What? <laughs> Are you just telling me this now? <laughs> well, at least you didn't tell your daughters, so that, that's good. But, <laughs> that's uh, great. Um, yeah, but you do have to be registered. There is that little caveat there. So, okay. Uh, yeah, so kids need to uh, have a social insurance number for one. Uh, you can contribute $2,500 a year or catch up uh, with as much as 5000 per year per child, and then you will get that 20%. You, you can contribute more, but you won't get the 20% on the excess. So a uh, lifetime co- contribution limit that nobody will remember anyhow, that's cool, uh, $50,000 per child. And, you know, we talk the long game, right? So not only are you getting the free money, 
not only are you helping the child's education, but they're going to graduate from university, college, trade school, whatever they choose to go to, um, with hopefully no or less debt as a result. And that's Mm going to set them up for decades and decades ahead personally as well. So, you know, you've got kind of three stages of life probably that's really going to help this child through. So that's a win-win-win. That's triple win power. Yeah. Did did you explain what CESG stood for? So that's a Canada Education Savings Grant. Uh And actually, um, I I don't have it memorized, but uh, if you're a lower income Canadian, uh, again, not remembering the definition of that, but you can actually get a little bit more, which is good. So uh, they're quite uh, kind of giving humane, empathetic, whatever. Uh, in that as well, but CESG is the uh, Canada Education Savings Grant. Okay, man. Great info. Great info. How's the uh, how's the how was the ticker last Wednesday? Yeah, we did okay. I, I played nine holes. That was just kind of enough. Uh, it was awesome. I was with great buds. Beautiful day, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's kind of weird, right? It's how you frame things. Uh, on the one hand, it was great to be out and awesome to see uh, lots of uh, great guys. Uh, on the other hand, I didn't play all 18, so that was kind of disappointing, right? So I'm not quite sure how I looked at it. Yeah, how do you feel? Are you going to play again today? No, I'm going to chill, uh, mow the lawn, uh, go for a good walk, uh, do some work, all that, all that stuff. So I'll probably play again next week. As you may or may not know, the Gators game was... Uh, uh, you probably don't. Uh, super stressful. So thankfully, my heart made it through that on Saturday. Wow, well, it was just stressful for all of us, Tim. Very, very stressful. Hey, that nine holes uh, sort of made that 59 on your card look good, though, right? Exactly. <laughs> I right. had one of my lowest scores spread of the whole darn year. So it was awesome. Um, listen, man, I, I'm glad you're, I was glad to see you there and I uh, hope to see you again soon. Tim.nibblet or RaymondJames.ca. There are more than a few Humble and Fred listeners that have taken Tim up on his offer to have a look at your portfolio. Does necessarily mean you're going to change, but why not get a second opinion? Tim.Niblet at RaymondJames.ca A pleasure as always and enjoying profit all. Thanks, Tim. And by the way, you're looking good, man. Something's going on with you. I can see Well, I got my haircut just for you. The haircut looks great. The face is starting to narrow out there. Look at you. I know Dan Duran, but I'm doing okay. What's that, Freddie? Vitality. Vitality. All right, Timmy, take care, man. Thanks, guys. Have an awesome day. Speaking of vitality, look at that angel man sitting there just hanging out, Dan Duran. We'll get to uh, Dan Duran's... What's that, Dan? I just enjoy life. That's yeah, all. you are. Yeah. You just love life. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, there's no better time than now to get your business online. Of course, I'm referring to our friends at GoDaddy. If you're an entrepreneur or you're... You know, you're someone with a side hustle, a small business. GoDaddy's been powering small businesses for over 25 years and servicing 20 million customers worldwide. There's no better time than now to do this. I want to emphasize, you can find your domain, create the website. GoDaddy's there for you with free and friendly 24-7 support. They'll be helping you every step of the way. You can even start your website for free. For free. That's without any money, Dan. <laughs> go to <laughs> go Is that daddy. What free means? That's what Good. it means. No <laughs> tipping. No tipping. Go daddy. Try it out today. No credit card is even required. Visit godaddy.ca to learn more. Freddie, are you all uh, up to date there? Yep. All right. Very nice. Uh, well, then I would also like to mention that uh, that these people 
these fine folks are uh, helping to bring Dan Duran's uh, news to all of us today. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes to pass for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, he's going to fall in love with his but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is Dan Duran. My voice is Dan And now, live from... Some very fancy friends that live in the beach. Ooh, da do 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 here with his news. This is Dan Duran. Bannon's back in court. Remember Steve Bannon? He's going back to court for a crime he was pardoned for. Uh, he'll turn himself in to New York prosecutors on Thursday, according to a report from the Washington Post. He's a longtime strategist for former Donald Trump, president, former president Donald Trump, which he was former. Hmm. Uh, he'll, he'll be indicted in charges related to that uh, build. We build the wall scheme where uh, he uh, ended up uh, defrauding donors, they say, and received more than a million bucks from that campaign. He was pardoned. In uh, by Trump before Trump left office, and then they're bringing this back. They, it was a, uh, a federal charge uh, that he was pardoned for, and this is a state level charge. Mm-hmm. So uh, state uh, s- states uh, charges are not pardoned by presidents. So because it's a different uh, legal system, I guess. So that's the way it goes. He's uh, he's going to be back in jail, and and you know what? It, predictably, his response was, "This is nothing more than a partisan no, political yeah, weaponization everything, everything. of the criminal yeah. justice system," and it goes on and on. No, yeah. yeah, he's a scumbag, that guy. You know what? I've, I've, these people that follow this mm-hmm. cult are so fucking delusional. I saw one of those things. One of those those two guys are called the Good Liars. They're funny comics, and they interview Trump supporters at events, and you know it's the typical thing. And, the things that these Trump supporters are wearing, the 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 garb and all the the it's, not, it's pretty creepy actually. You know the the portraits of Trump as the Christ figure and all this stuff. Well, they asked a couple people the other day, should Hillary Clinton be locked up because you know of her emails and such? And they went, of course, you should lock her up. And then the guy said, well, what about somebody who's stolen documents and such? So should he be locked up? They're like, no. No, it's okay if he did it. You know what I mean? It's like these people that were defrauded out of all those millions of dollars to Steve Bannon's build a wall scheme. Even though they were defrauded and it's going to come out that he built them. It was a scam. There was no build a wall scheme. They'll still support the cause. And that, I think, is the toughest to fight against. Do you know what I mean? you guys know what I mean? Like, it's hard to fight against people that don't that don't see what's happening to them. I don't know. 
And they can. Well, yeah, I, I totally get your point, but also it piles on from anybody that, that's mm-hmm. on that side. Like the uh, yeah, but and then they, they just uh, you know, like the, the here's what he said: just days after being swatted three different times by deranged thugs from New York City, inspired by the Biden administration to assassinate me by police, the Soros-backed DA has now decided to pursue phony charges against me sixty days before the midterm election because War Room is the most is the major source of MAGA grassroots movement mm-hmm. <laughs> that's oh, yeah. the first paragraph of, of his release regarding this whole thing i know it's just so horrible because again they've lost grasp or sight of their country as a whole because you know the way all these people all these republicans all these sycophants that are defending trump through what he's going through right now if it was a democrat they'd be completely they'd they'd be completely on the other side. Yeah, you know what it was in their mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it doesn't, mind. the issue doesn't matter. It's it's who. And again, that's not putting your country first. It's it's staggering that what, what we're seeing unfold before us. You know, and, 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 and sometimes with policy, and you can understand the polarization based on just strict policy. But when we're talking breaking the law and, and, and you know, federal Federal, federal laws being broken they, they don't it doesn't matter to them it yeah and that's matter. what's sort of uh, again we haven't talked a lot of trump and i don't want to get into it now because we've got another right. person standing by but i'll just say you know maybe we can air this out a bit tomorrow but i uh it's almost like i've i'm trying to stay away from it on social media because there are no more solutions other than to be exasperated is that it yeah mm. yeah Again, another guy we know, we know well. I mean, he posted something the other day that the election, he believes the election was stolen still. And it's, where does that come from? Like, yeah, it's funny. No matter how much proof there is from the attorney like, general, is, all that. What's your, what's your thing? <laughs> you know, like, well, you know, again, it's the, it's the cult of, mm-hmm. not the cult of personality, but it's the, you know. Mm-hmm. Hard to it's hard to explain how rational people are still, and some of them are in the government there, and, and and they still are going on this lie that's been proven over and over again, mm-hmm. and and I can only imagine. I don't know why that guy did it that you're talking about. I don't know who he is, but uh, the other guys like Bannon, they're doing it for money. It's mm-hmm. it's good business bilking these, and I'm going to say it. I feel sorry for these people that they're taking advantage of because that's mm-hmm. what they're doing. They're taking advantage of their stupidity. Mm-hmm. But you know, we can have an argument over. This is why it's so polarizing, and sometimes you just don't want to deal with people anymore. This guy we're talking about, we could have a discussion over, um, you know, um, uh, forgiving college tuition. Yeah. If somebody said I disagree with that, I, I could accept that. It, that wouldn't be a sort of like a no. I know what you mean. It, would be, rela- it wouldn't be an issue in yeah. a relationship. It's like no, I think it's a good. No, I think it's a bad idea. But you could well, have a discussion guy, about it. Yes. One guy says to me, like, still writes now that oh yeah, tell me the election wasn't stolen based on some flimsy yeah. little thing. I'm, I, I, how do I deal with you? Like yeah. how do I? Me, me, you know? well, no, I know. Like, like, but you're. But that's the the problem. Is it's mm-hmm. no longer about the the 
the validity of a law. It's the inval- invalidity of this fucking cult. It's just... Yeah, you're being sucked in. You know, I was reading the story about the Dominion voting machine lawsuit against Fox. It's billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And all the... You know, and, and Tucker's been testifying this summer. Hannity, a bunch of them. You know, they're... I said this to you guys last year. I said, this could be the thing that helps bring all of it down because the what's going to come out of this is they're going to have to admit that they they were lying that they were their defense is going to be this wait a second we were just reporting on something the president was saying well that's bullshit you weren't just reporting it you were promoting it there's a difference there's a difference from saying donald trump came out today and is continuing to believe the election is stolen we don't but he does but that's not their that's not how they were doing it no they were perpetrating the lie but i know where you're coming from backing off it because even watching the cable news networks i haven't really at all because it went from a year ago it was sort of interesting now to just extremely aggravating if this and scary if they want to eat themselves fine i don't want to be witness to it yeah it's pretty scary too uh there's a new pbs uh documentary uh, Dan, did you have another story? Because we're going to let you go here. Well, you have to, because we have another. Do you, are you able to stick around to close the show, or do you have to leave? Uh, yeah, I stick around to close the show. And I, my next story here is interesting, but we can uh, put it off till tomorrow. It's uh, it's not time sensitive, so we'll, we'll do that. Because, you know, we're running okay. out of time. Okay. All right. I'll just tell you that Frontline, yeah. the PBS uh, show, uh, has a documentary. It aired last night, and you can get it now if you go to pbs.org. It's called Lies, Politics, and Democracy. And it's a documentary. It's a couple hours long. I'm going to watch it later. Uh-oh. It's a look at Americans' political leaders and choices they've made that have undermined and threatened democracy in the U.S. There's a stat that came out yesterday. I'm not sure if I shared it with you, too, but 43% of Americans believe there'll be a civil war in that country in the next 10 years. That's 43% of all voters, not just the repulsive, repulsive mega what is it, what did, I mean, that's the other thing we should talk about tomorrow. How fucking upset they all got because Joe Biden called them names. Meanwhile, the <laughs> shit that comes out of their mouths about the radical left and communism and socialism, they got all upset because Joe Biden called them MAGA fucking whatever. Well, that, that's another thing that was misconstrued by that side. You know, he insulted half of America. No, no he, he didn't. didn't. There's a lot of people voted for Donald Trump that aren't mega people per se. He's yes. talking about the whack jobs. That's yeah. all. The ones yeah. who, you know, were a fall. Sidney Powell, one of the attorneys at that in the idiotic days following the election, she's been sanctioned. Her law license is being revoked, but that doesn't seem to matter to any of these people. Anyway, mm-hmm. see, we, yeah. all, we got all. Anyway, there was a point. Dan, you're our special master. The Trump, the Trump appointed judge did that, and then yeah, uh, yeah. Barr mm-hmm. thinks that it's deeply flawed. And oh, yeah. There's also the, yeah. the, the, the documents. Washington Post said that uh, most top secret nuclear stuff that the country has was, uh, you know, hanging out at the at Mar-a-Lago. And, and, and think about it. If a Democratic uh-huh. president had top secret documents in their fucking seaside bullshit home, the Republicans <laughs> would, their heads would literally be... Exp- anyway, a, listen, uh, here's the thing. Tomorrow. No, tomorrow. Nothing for tomorrow. Nothing for tomorrow. That's for tomorrow. Because right now I need to find if there, if only there was a service where i could just order some weed how's that for a segue if only there existed some way for me to call somebody 
and get some weed delivered here. Uh, I, I don't. It doesn't matter how we know this kid, but uh, for many years, uh, one of the members of his family was a huge supporter of this program, and so we are happy to support this young gentleman, Michael Davis. Hello, Michael. Hi, how are you, Howard? Thanks for having me on. I know your father. I know your mother. <laughs> They're great people. You're great people. Um, Michael, uh, it's funny. We, we've we been talking about weed on this show as your dad. He's a bit of a listener. and um, I'll just tell Hundy Peas. For a long time on our show, there was a, a sponsor, Fit for Life Sandwiches. Remember, we would just yell "Fit for Life" randomly. It was a, it was like a bit it that we fantastic. did. It was fantastic. And yeah. anyway, that gentleman uh, had some uh, has has an offspring, and he's here. That's who he is. But uh, it's you know the funny thing is, Mike, we would have you on when I heard about this business. We would have had you on to talk about this, even if you know your dad didn't set it up. So, just want you to know that. This Thank isn't you. all about nepotism. And because, we're, we're now we're going to be shouting shopkindling.ca. Shopkindling. That's yeah. what we're going to do. There we go. So here's the thing. As a, a cannabis user myself, um, it is. Let's talk about the state of the business. Uh, Freddie made a, a point this morning earlier about what was it, Freddie? That thirty percent of yeah. By the end of 2023, about thirty percent of the shops will be gone because it's just there's too many and it's not working. So what else yeah. isn't because because Mike wants to talk a little bit about his business, obviously, but let's talk a little bit about the state of the cannabis industry in general. Yeah. It, what Fred just said that there's too, is, is, is there's too many uh, retail outlets and then you've come up with a, another solution. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, so the, the state of the uh, industry right now is such that um, the way they've structured it, it only allows retailers to compete on price. There's only really one lever that they can can compete on. So what that means is that these larger big box, I'll call them uh, publicly funded uh, retailers are able to compete just on price. So what I think is going to happen is that there's going to be a lot of mid-tier retailers and operators that are going to unfortunately go out of business because there's not much to compete on um, in that middle ground. Uh, so to speak. And um, at the upper end of the uh, the retailers, um, you'll see that I think they'll do okay just because they, they focus on more experience. But uh, yeah, it's going to be definitely a lot of closures over the next little while. I think you're starting to see it right now, starting to shake out. And, and it's funny because I, I have uh, some dispensaries on either side of my building. But, yeah. but, but so what is the hole that you've identified? What is the innovation that Kindling is the solution for? Well, I, I think uh, there's a, a huge unaddressed market um, underneath these frothy waves of, uh, of the industry as it stands right now, where there's a lot of people that I don't think are that comfortable going into these stores and talking to a 21-year-old about, uh, you know, getting a product for their sleep or whatever it is that they're using it for. Um, and also, it's, it's fairly inconvenient still. Like, there is, I mean, there's a ton of stores on Queen and Bathurst, right? Like, downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't walk 10 meters without running into one. But uh, that doesn't mean that uh, there's not uh, a need for a service that uh, will kind of make it a bit more convenient for someone to get the product. Um, and not have to deal with it, uh, the, the whole experience, if they don't want to. Mm-hmm. So, so this does not exist now? I mean, there's delivery uh, currently for sure, but it's it's very staggered in terms of what they offer. It's you know you got to order by four, you got to you got to have an eighty dollar basket, you uh, have to spin around three times, and uh, 
you know, mm-hmm. click your heels in order to get this delivery. Whereas we're doing a on demand um, in, across Toronto, as well as uh, which is the big innovation is we're doing subscriptions, which is the first one in Canada. Um, so we're going out across the GTA every Friday um, and delivering um, weekly or monthly um, mm-hmm. to, our, to our customers. And uh, we think it makes it a bit easier for them. They don't have to go um, walk out to a store. A lot of the time, these stores are out of stock. Um, a lot of them are really sort of undercapitalized. So their inventory mm-hmm. and assortment is fairly lacking. So you're going out to a store. It might not have that sleep product that you're looking for. And uh, then what? So... Um, whereas here you can, you know, click weekly, get your product delivered at your door. Um, you don't have to think about it. Done. Across the GTA. Yeah, I'm looking at. Uh, sorry, Freddie, go ahead. No, I was just, you know, it's we can't, you know, Fred Ball says with Sega Beach, you know, one beer store, two liquor stores, 12 cannabis stores. Right. Like how was how that allowed to happen? Like you let the government get involved and it, it takes a young entrepreneur like you to come up with, with a solution for yeah, what yeah. they've created. It's, it's interesting. Well, you're saying like, so you're talking about the number of stores. I think that's actually a good thing that they did where they're allowing anyone to enter the market. Right. I think there should right. be low barriers to entry in this, uh, in any market. The problem is that they've centralized distribution. So, you know, every store is buying the exact same from the exact same catalog, let's call it mm-hmm. uh, at the exact same price. So you can't differentiate whatsoever on uh, product or assortment or price whatsoever. So when you go into one of these stores, the real the only difference is the, the color of the paint on the walls. So okay, right. it's red in here. OK, this one's white. Wonderful. But it's the exact same product. Right. Right. So I'm approaching it in a different way. Instead of kind of trying to compete on that, we're going to try and compete on the service side and uh, bring it to you. Well, that's why. That, well, that's why it's so innov- it's so innovative that way because you know they're. I mean, okay, I, I use it regularly. I don't use it a lot, but I use it every day. And I, you know, I'm. I would certainly have an idea, like a lot of people, what I would need per week, per month, whatever. I was going to say kindlingcannabis.com is where you'll find out more about what we're talking about right now. Sorry, no, it's a shopkindling.ca. That's oh. our old site. Oh, that's the old site. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That's all good. It's shopkindling.ca. Okay, I just yeah. I just quickly did a thing here. So shopkindling.ca. Yeah, yeah. So we did. We actually opened. Uh, sorry, the we opened a dispensary uh, last November just to sort of study the market, and, and that was our old site. But uh, we're launching the subscriptions and uh, <laughs> service uh, at shopkindling.ca. Yeah. Okay, I'm why well, so so my point about uh, whether I would want to have it delivered every friday um i i think most users i'm one of them would have an idea that i would i know what i would need over the course of a month and the idea about kindling shopkindling.ca is its service and and are you competing on price as well no uh no we're not i mean we're not going to uh we're not exorbitantly priced for sure, but we are focusing on that service side of it. Right. Um, where you get a free delivery. We have a concierge from 9 a.m. to 11 uh, p.m., which, you know, you can message, hey, how do I use this pipe or whatever? Because we wanted to take, uh, <laughs> we wanted to take that uh, experience of, you know, the questions you can ask in a store or whatever right. and bring it to your fingertips, right? Like it didn't make sense that you couldn't sit on your couch and ask a, you know, a bud tender. We call them our concierges, but you can right. ask them whatever it is that you wanted to ask them, right? Like, yeah, turn off your alerts. 
Mike. By the way, I'm trying, is that your I'm dad? I'm trying to do this. Is that your dad texting here? you? Yeah. He's doing How's fine, Sam. Leave it. Leave <laughs> yeah, him alone. We're, He's we're live. Fine. We're live. Sorry God damn that. it, Sam. Turn leave it him alone. <laughs> this uh, the shop kindling. Is that you playing the guitar in this uh, thing? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, ah. that's uh, <laughs> very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, man, it's pretty cool. Uh, one hour delivery on demand, all day concierge, free delivery. Yep. Shopkindling.ca. Listen, man, I hope this isn't the last time we talk to you. Turn oh. that. Th- God damn it. I swear I did that. It's all right, man. So well, that's Sam's kid. He's smart, he's good looking. And uh, now he's, you know, following in his father's footsteps. One day, he'll, you know, one day he's going to, Sam will come to you and say, hey, can you loan me some money? And you say, hey, listen, man. <laughs> exactly. Do our best. I got to apologize about those uh, alerts. I no, it's all right. Tomorrow. Cannabis delivered. Shop now at shopkindling.ca. All right, Michael. You did great, man. I hope that was uh, what you needed. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it, guys. And listen, okay, when, and when you're ready to advertise, you, you tell your dad to, uh, you let me know, okay? Well, we'll Like we, I said, we'll be shouting shopkindling.ca. Uh, I'm here for you. And you you know, you <laughs> tell your dad we're full service here. Guaranteed. Right <laughs> um, listen, you. all the best to you. Give my best to your mom. She's the nicest. Cheers, I will. Thanks again, guys. Have a Thanks, great man. day. Thanks, man. There's Michael Davis, shopkindling.ca. It's a great idea. It really is something else, man, because uh, at some point, as you said, Freddie, some of these dispensaries are going to disappear. And there there have been other weed delivery systems, but not like this. This is uh, very innovative. There's an app as well, by the way. You can get it. Funny what he says, too. Often when I go to the Caribbean, you know, and you'll go to little markets and everything, and there'll be like 10 or 12 mar- little market stalls set up, and they're all selling the same thing. Yeah. And I feel like going and saying, why don't you sell the statues and then you sell the, the keychains? And, and yeah, yeah. You tell me, no. you know I mean? uh, and it's funny what he said, you know, and it's still a problem with the way it was structured. Sure, anybody could open up a shop, but you can, you all have to have the same, almost the same exact product. It's weird. The whole thing's weird. No, it is weird. And, and you know, it's funny because I, I, there's, a, there's a product I use for sleep that I get. It's not available at the one place on the other side of me so i've been going to this other place next to me the smaller one and and i'm in there the other day getting this stuff it's just a tincture i take at bedtime and there's no there's never anyone in the store but me when i'm in there and those are the guys i always ask how is this going like how can this sustain when there's two of you and there's one of me and then mm-hmm. like there's rarely anyone else in there i just don't get yeah. it but and, and mike made a good point too though about well let the market figure it out themselves yes Mm-hmm. Yes. Dan, There's have you ever ordered from the OCS? The, I, I haven't. No, I've looked at it, but I, and I've thought about it. But yeah, no, me I, too. I've just, just never done it. Um, yeah. Well, good for him. You know, see that thing, the whole entrepreneur thing runs in the family. Yeah. Uh, thanks to Barry Shepley. And uh, we're back tomorrow. Dan is as well. And, uh, you know, there's lots of stuff to talk about. Okay, Dan? This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, Gig Sky, The Retirement Sherpa, The Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, and HealthGage. Don't forget to enter to win a set of tires from Continental Tire Canada. You can email us, humbleandfred at humbleandfredradio.com. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And remember, if you subscribe and give us five stars, yeah. it's just like tipping us. <laughs> except it's free. Do you guys know what tomorrow is, by the way? Destination, a little-
Wednesday? Thursday. Tomorrow's the first Thursday mm. that we've worked Thursday? since the oh. uh, long weekend in May. Yeah, Thursday comes after Wednesday, okay? Uh, long weekend. You gotta, hey, Dan, you got to get off book with the days of the week, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Just clap your hands. Where's that?